And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Startling monster horror tales of terror. <laughs> Hello, my little brain trust. It's the old Chris Keeper here. Tonight I was just reminiscing about the time my girlfriend and I tried out for tonight's movie, Return of the Living Dead. Back in the 80s, I was dating Crawly Molly. She was missing her lower half, but she was twice the woman as your mother. Turns out, I didn't get the role, because the director told me I didn't have the backbone for it. She went on to do background work in many, many zombie movies. It kinda got famous and it's what broke us up. It really torsoed me up to see her go. Well, enough of that bullshit, let's get to the movie. Hello everyone and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am your co-host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I would like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. And we are continuing our little stroll, shamble, if you will, through the horror rack at your local mom and pop video store. It's another horror rack hanger on. And here to uh, to join me and discuss the film today, left to right across your podcast dial, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Do you want a party? <laughs> uh, and then also joining us, my brother, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. You think this is a fucking costume? It's the way of life. <laughs> it, cer- it certainly is. And rounding out our little gang, if you will, our gang of punks, Two True Freaks OG, Chris Honeywell. That's a good question, Bert. <laughs> the one I was going to use is, we ain't got no towels. But, uh... <laughs> Elfie, you want the alternate one there? What's the alternate, al- Jack? Yeah. Hey, somebody get some light over here, Trash. Take your clothes off again. What's your alternate, hero? You mean the movie lied? <laughs> so, and, the, and the other one I got is no this was made by the US Army Corps of Engineers <laughs> well I mean the thing is the one the, I, I was I was you know those are the two I was, I was like the other ones are send more cops yeah. which is like my favorite I love that or send more paramedics <laughs> right, so if you I, I right okay so first off 
if you can't tell what we're gonna know by now yes obviously it is the return of the living dead from 1985 a classic film of this era and a long-standing and well sought after and highly desirable uh vhs uh horror release from this era i do have to add just legally this comes from demonzo so i I'm, i'm sure you guys got this this memograph also but i have to say this legally the events portrayed in this podcast are all true the names are real names of real people and real organizations. <laughs> so, okay, we've satisfied that. I'm okay. I'm getting the thumbs up from the lawyer. So, but okay. yeah. So, go ahead. Can I can I just start out with my origin story of this Absolutely. movie because does I, it involve rabbit weasels? I put oh, <laughs> <laughs> I put this movie in the same strata as Gone with the Wind. Well, not Gone with Fuck Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Is like, stars. To say, did, did, did the Return of the Living Dead also get kicked off HBO Max? And I know. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. They both have disclaimers now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Star Wars, all the great, the perfect movies, the movies that I consider perfect in every way. Uh, every time that I watch them, it's a joy. This one goes in it. And this one on top of it had like just the perfect storm of enjoyment of my first viewing of it, which was um, it uh, in typical 80s style. Little Chris Honeywell had divorced parents and my mother lived in Watertown, which was the town that had the um, movie theater. So I was at, at my mother's at the weekends. And uh, so that means I was a bike ride away from the, the, uh, the theater, which at the time when, at that time we didn't have the multiplex there so the multiplex by the time the multiplex got there i was in high school so we were driving out to it a little further but this was a three screen theater it was i think it was a two screen at this time but it expanded to three eventually and i just rode my bike up to see what movies were playing and return of the living dead was playing and i'm like yes they will let me into r-rated movies because i come in there all the time they don't give a shit and I just saw Return of the Living Dead rated R. Okay, I'm going to go see that because horror movies didn't make it there. But neither did any kind of like anticipatory media. So I had no idea what it was, what it was about, anything except it was an R-rated zombie movie. And I was, you know, a thousand times down. I knew it could be really, it was probably going to be really bad. And then I sat down and that title comes up, you know, everything is real. And then as it as it goes, there I see the name Dan O'Bannon, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm. This is a matinee on a weekend. The whole theater is filled with parents with their little kids. Oh, God. <laughs> I said, oh, this looks like a good scary movie for some little kids. And as I as I sat through that movie, just drinking it and just slurping down every wonderful moment of it, like <laughs> after the first. 40 after basically once we got to the ice pick in the head (laughs) the theater just was regularly like punctuated by parents standing out and ushering their kids out the door out the door until i was in there with maybe like 10 other people who were getting rowdier and rowdier as more as people would leave we would woo. (laughs) we're making it to the end of this one boys because they were all boys that were left. Uh, let's oh, just, of course. Let's just uh, admit to that. But and if and if it was a girl, she would have had nine 
marriage proposals at the end of that movie. <laughs> but, uh, oh my God. Yeah, you know, it can't get any better than that. I had no idea what I was going to get. And then I walked away from it just like this was a masterpiece. And, and I was like, do I even need to watch this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm really tired after work, but it'll probably do me well to watch it. Oh, and that first scene, just the first scene with the with with the with the kid and um, what's his name Frank, walking around and he's showing him the ropes. It's such a wonderfully acted scene. It's so well written and and performed, and it's so typical of like you know the old guy showing the young guy the ropes and has a bunch of lame jokes <laughs> and. I just I can't get over how well acted this movie is and how it sort of goes out of its way. Like usually everybody's hate. You just hate everybody in, in one of these movies. And yeah, eh, except for a bunch of the punk, a bunch of the punks who are obnoxious in a truly teenage way. Um, everybody's kind of a likable character in this. As a matter of fact, they're yeah. kind of re- really likable characters. Even the even the Nazi. Yes, even the Nazi. Daniel Bannon had actually said that uh, uh, Ernie, who was played by uh, Don uh, Kalfa, uh, he was supposed to be a, uh, this is why, you know, he has the, the German, the, the, the Walter P-38 and uh, in the picture of Eva Braun and all this stuff. He literally was like, well, he was a Nazi, like he's escaped Nazi in hiding. And, you know, like, he's like, what, you didn't get that? Like, you yeah. didn't, I mean, it's, it's kind of on the nose, but it's like, but yeah, but it's like, but it's everything about that, you know, makes it, uh, makes sense there exactly, you know, in, in the grand scheme of this. Um, well, I you know, it's one of those, it's one of those movies where you can tell, like you can watch some movies and you can see that it's like Jerry Seinfeld used to say that you watch a bad movie and it's 90 minutes. If you make a bad movie, it's oh, a God. year and a half of your life, you know, yeah. it's like, but then you watch some movies and you can tell everybody's having a friggin' blast. Making oh my it. god! Yeah, and that's this movie. I mean, you can tell everybody is enjoying the hell out of this. Yeah. You know, just 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 from what you see on screen, both from a technical and a uh, an, an acting standpoint, you can tell everybody is friggin' and, and you know having a great time doing this. Well, and that if, that energy is infectious. If I was one of those actors, and all, and you know, especially the older actors in this, are all used to being in genre movies, so they're used to like bad scripts and B movies. If someone handed me the script, I would be just like, oh yes, you know, <laughs> it, it's just it's gold. I mean, it's so like you know, the the first couple times through it, it's just like, wow, what a great action. But the more you watch it, that that the, they really put a lot into their characters, and I mean. Thinking, yeah. thinking of thinking of him as a as a as a Nazi as an ex Nazi and then being the guy who like also you know he's doing he's cutting up corpses and oh, and the yeah clearly not the first time he's been doing that yeah. what's that yeah 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 and and, hey, and yeah and he's got a crematorium he's got a crematorium he's literally and the worst is he when when he finds out that the dead can feel pain he's like oh no now I feel bad. Yeah, because you know it's not just he's working the crematorium. He's been working a crematorium. Yes. Well, I'm just saying, you know, little guy with a mustache is all like, hey, <laughs> good with cooking shit, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I think do, it's I, funny. Go is, ahead, Bert, obviously, is the dad from uh, Friday, uh, from uh, Nightmare 2. Yep. Right? Which is just so funny because, 
Like, he's such a putz in that movie. Yeah. Here he's okay. like, well, yeah. he's a putz here too, but it's like, but you're like, well, he's like, well, I got a plan. I got, I, we can do this. And I'm like, this is like the worst plan ever. <laughs> is this is this the third Clue Gulliger movie on the vault? Because we did Nightmare Two, and we did. Isn't he in uh, the the Willies? Yes. Yes. And, and now, yep. so we. So in the, uh, in the so. Honeywell experiment, we did the Uninvited, which well, there you go. I mean, very, a like, very uh, drunk Clue Gulliger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I do want to say, since this is the wreck hanger on, I do want to briefly touch on the VHS release, because if you find this VHS release, buy it, okay? Because this movie is sought after. The Thorn EMI HBO video release, originally from 1986, uh, I've seen some, some dating it to 1987, that there may have been two print runs of this early on, uh, because there is apparent, apparently there is a version of this that exists on tape that eliminates the first scene with the colonel. So really? we don't know who the colonel is when they finally do call him. So I think there may be two different releases. In either event, if you find this VHS, which of course has the classic uh, poster cover image of the undead punks in the graveyard uh, with uh, the one punk with the can of spray paint, spray painting on the Return of the Living Dead on the tombstone. Uh, this image is burned into my brain from seeing it in video stores. And not mm -hmm. just at video stores. When we were kids, Jay remembers this, there was a couple of grocery stores that had video rentals and i always remember this one being at the at, at the, the grocery store video rental this one and silent night deadly night for some reason those <laughs> well, always stick out in my brain it was also the cover of cine fantastique yes, uh, yes which is one of, the, like, one of the most iconic covers to me ever i mean there's a lot of great covers on cine fantastique but i remember this one going what is this yeah. well, like this, when this that to me is of of 80s horror images this one's <laughs> I mean, one of the top, if not the top. I mean, it's so because to me, it's 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 perfectly encapsulates 1985, right? I mean, yeah, you know that that's 1985 horror punk right there. So. I mean, this this and this and Repo Man would be my favorite punk rock double feature. Yeah. Not even Rock and Roll High School or any of the like Rise and Fall of Western Civilization. Those two, and they both have like the 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 league i can't remember his name name one column Otto, but he's not Otto. Otto's is, is emilio estevez and repo man but they look exactly alike they're pl basically the same character they dress alike they look alike and and it's really captures not a, not only the essence of like the style of punk but the real reality like um um, cringiness of it of teenagers yeah. who are trying to be punk so you had every different kind of just like identity crisis teen having their punk rock moment in it you know yeah. uh, it's just yeah. wonderful and, and the punk aspect is why i'm advising you that if you can find this vhs to buy it because th this is a film that and, and we've seen this more so with television but we've seen it with film too where the soundtrack becomes the issue uh. Uh, um, yes. As you go with different releases, and and Jay, I'm I'm sure you probably have better information on this than I do as far as which versions have closer to the correct soundtrack of the numerous uh, Blu-ray and DVD releases of this film. But that VHS has all of the original music in it, and so if you can find that, that is pick it up because that this is an '80s horror tape that. I just did a quick eBay search. I was seeing it going for north of seventy-five dollars. I used to have the cassette. Yeah. The actual, the audio, I had the, the soundtrack on cassette. Yeah. Don't know what happened to it. Well, not only is the punk rock music in it delightfully cheesy, 
but the score music is is somewhere between like Danny Elfman and John Carpenter. Yeah. At the same time, and it's yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. So I mean, obviously the the Blu-ray releases. There's uh, two main ones. The one that's super cheap uh, has the DVD and whatever. That's that's pretty good. I mean, it, the, the images are great and stuff. But I mean, that, that, uh, that that's the MGM release, isn't it? Yeah, MGM. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Shout Factory or Scream Factory, I should probably say, is technically Scream Factory. That is the most complete version you can get. Uh, that has as much restored as they could legally get restored. So, and it's also the cleanest. It has the best features. Um, it has the documentary, which is outstanding. Um, but that, I mean, if you can get the Shout Factory one, and it's a little pricey sometimes, but you know, it goes up and down. You can usually score under under you know twenty bucks. Um, that's the most complete one to get. Um, and I'm not telling you have to go buy it, but I'm just saying is if you if you don't own it, and you're looking at like, well, I could spend like you know twelve dollars on the MGM one, or spend like you know eighteen dollars on the Shout Factory or Screen Factory, you're gonna want to do the Screen Factory. It's it's outstanding. Uh, and that's part of the problem too, when you you know people are like, well, I don't, I'm like if you don't own it, right? Like, and you're like, oh, I don't know, but like. I mean, if you've never, I don't, know, I don't know how you've never seen this. If you've never seen this and you like horror movies, you're going to love it. Like it's, it's you can it's watch not, it. A, it, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't get old. No matter how many times you watch it, you're gonna pick out new stuff. It's never gonna get old. It's ever evergreen. Right, so spe- speaking yep, of evergreen, it is. and I'll actually, have... I mean that that's in all seriousness, it is in fact an evergreen release. The number of different releases this has had on DVD and now Blu-ray, it behooves that. You know, yeah. that that's um, I, I was explaining that concept to my kids a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about how the Godzilla movies are seen as evergreen because they're always going to be a market for people to buy them. This is another one it, it this stirs so many positive memories of people that have seen it. And if you haven't seen it, you've heard of it. And if you haven't heard of it, if you're a horror fan and you see that cover, you're going to friggin buy it. You know, because you're going to Google it and it's going to say, yeah, you know, buy the movie, jackass. And you're like, OK, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever the computer tells me. So well, everybody, everybody knows brains, even oh, though they haven't yeah. seen it. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I can guarantee you all those people who saw Night of the Living Dead and they're like Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah, that's a movie where they eat brains. <laughs> it's not. So. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Just so speaking of, of multiple releases on this, um, so I, I have to bring up how I first saw this. This was a staple on UHF in Boston. This was on Channel 56 on their Saturday afternoon movie for years. So Were they public access so they could Nope, they were not it? public access, but we all know about the other version of this film, right? Yes. So the first time I saw this, I did not see Fuck You. I saw TV version. So <laughs> I've never seen the TV. Did they it's actually on, I yes, they almost do every footage version of the DVD. for TV or is it a hack, hacked up overdub job? Oh, there's many scenes that are refilmed <laughs> so that it can be shown on television. Yeah. And um, let me say that it, 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 you know, so at like six, seven years old, seeing this on on regular TV, it wasn't even cable, you know, because they were able to change enough of it so that it, could, it still got me, you know. Oh it's, yeah, I mean, minus the the language and gore, the gore was like over the top and was what was what caught me, 
but the at six years old, just the overall story of it is enough, minus the language and the gore, to make this as well, it's, scary I mean, and at, as dark well, and that's funny. That's the thing. At, at six years old, this terrified it terrified me. Even I was going to say, was it funny at all for you at six years old? I no, I was terrified. I mean, yeah, you had nothing a, to compare it to. When you've got <laughs> when you've got a a a, a half chopped in, the, you know, you got half a corpse on a table talking about the pain of dying. Yeah, I'm, I was I'm I, six, six or seven years old. I'm I'm terrified. I was you I know? was terrified by Adam West Batman when I was, you know, and the the Horda from Star Trek when I was six years old. So this would have this would have like, I would this would have like I wouldn't have been in school for a week. I would have just been rocking back and forth probably. Yeah, but I mean, I I credit this with seeing Alien way too young and seeing this way too young are I think the two movies that put me over the top towards wanting to see horror movies so you know and nightmare on elm street too because that was on cable all the time and not cable public regular tv all the time oh so, that explains a lot too yes it does the thing with the tv version i mean the tv version is it's not the same movie i mean it is but it's, it's not really the same movie um but the the it's so hard to explain this to people who aren't the right age. Uh, like, <laughs> but no, because they're like, what do you mean, TV version? Like, what do you mean? Like, ugh, you know, like, because, no, because now you can say shit on television. Like, and asshole and bitch and. Yeah, but, no, no, but I'm saying, but you can say, you can, I mean, think about it. Like, remember when South Park first had the first time yes. you say shit? And it was like, did, did you say shit on TV? Like, now you can say that, like, on anything. Like you get away with that stuff. Like it, I mean, it happened on what do you call it? it happened on Get Up. I mean, what's it, like, that's a, that's a ESPN show in the morning. Uh, what's his face? Ben Affleck said, "Well, he goes, that's just a bunch of shit." And I was like, "Did he just say that at nine o'clock in the morning on a morning show?" Like, and it wasn't like, "Oh my God, shut the whole show down." It was like, "Okay, well, we can't say that again. We're only allowed one." You know, it's like, you know, so back then you do anything. Think, okay. Think about, and I don't know, I mean, I know Luke watches for me, but I don't know if anyone, like, when you watch Friday the 13th, not Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, right? Yes. When you, just the way they, the, some of the things they changed and then in the dialogue, you're like, wait, that's not even the same person saying that. <laughs> like, I don't mean, I don't mean like, like you're watching it on like Telemundo and they only have three people. And there's no women, so that there's a guy talking like this, you know, like Bob's Burgers. Like I'm just, <laughs> just doesn't make any sense what they're saying. And this right. falls in that category because they had to cut out some dialogue. You had to reshoot scenes. Um, there's scenes that are blurred. Like, yeah, you're watching yeah. it's going. Wait, did my eyes just go bad? Like, it's there's things. There's all kinds of stuff in here, and oh. that to. No, no, I remember saying, seeing the dubbed over version of Slapshot on TV on oh, CBS when voice? I was a kid. Oh, God. Right. But I'm just, I'm just saying it's like there's things that like it's hard to kind of you had to have lived through it. You had to have had a time where literally like you you were trying to get a clear signal and you had to like move rabbit ears or, you know, turn the, the antenna on the roof or whatever, like where you only had channel two, channel three on a good day, four, five fuck six it was never happening seven eight only at a certain times nine when the weather was good you know like people don't even understand what that means like yeah. you know you need to have that like where like with the set the sunday after the, not sunday excuse me because there's always football on the saturday afternoon movie 
on, you know, on, you know, it's not now it's Fox, but it was Channel Five back then. Just w- like what's going to be on? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Usually, like, man, what's going to be on? And you were just like, man, let it be a Bruce Lee movie. And when Enter the Dragon was on, that thing fucking pulled huge ratings. Why? Because yeah. you didn't have that available to you. And we lived in a house that we had a lot of VHS tapes. But we didn't have Return of the Living Dead. We didn't have Nightmare on Elm Street. We didn't have Friday the 13th. So yeah, you, when they were on TV. Wait, you had to wait for Shocktober on yeah. WPIX to see yeah. Nightmare movies and stuff like that. And a lot of, I mean, that's the thing. Hero, you talk about the TV version. I'm pretty sure that's the first way I saw this. Yeah. On, on Channel 11 or Channel 9 WOR, I almost guarantee it. <laughs> If you're younger, this is all you have to do to get a little history lesson in real life is when you're at, a, if you ever go to a uh, garage sale or a uh, secondhand store, look at the, look at the VHS tapes that are, that people tape themselves and look what they take, you know, see what yes. they taped on them. You'll see like all the movies that were on HBO or on TV that you couldn't find around. You'll, you'll start seeing certain movies, usually genre movies. It's usually yeah. the genre yeah. movies. And oh, yeah. That's what you'll see on, and you'll see like four or five of them on a tape because they'll record them at super yep. low play. Super, <laughs> SLP. SLP. Super low quality. Right. Well, the problem <laughs> and is... Wear, that, and you wore the shit out of them, too, because yep. you watched them over and over again. Oh, yeah. My copy, my first versions of Star Wars and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark were taped off of HBO from my dad's buddy at work. And mm-hmm. by the time that the... You know the remastered THX ones came out. It's like, well, I have to get these because I can't even play the other ones. Yeah, right. Can't yeah. see well, anything. The control track is just worn Gone. off. Of- yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you would go, like, we would go to the mall and they'd have like a what? Not Suncoast Video. What was it? Uh, um, Saturday matinee. Hey, thank Yeah, Suncoast was at JV. So you Saturday, go mat- Saturday matinee was where Scott Gardner used to work at the mall here when he lived when we lived together. Yeah, and didn't he? Didn't he used to play Star Trek the motion picture just on an endless loop, basically? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the first, the first podcast. Like, I oh, ever I'm, did. I'm sure he monopolized whatever was playing whenever he was working. I'm sure he was just like, well, my plan the, is the, to take over the VCR. The first, the first podcast I ever did was on Star Trek Monthly Monday. Remember that, old time listeners? And we old were talking time. about Star Trek. Forty-five the motion years picture. ago. And I seem to recall Scott saying that because I know Scott Scott loves uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture as much as uh, well. I don't think anybody loves Star Trek the Motion Picture as much as Scott does, but certainly at least at my level. So I, I belong to a Facebook group called the Star Trek the Motion Picture uh, um, Appreciation Society, and Scott, <laughs> Scott Gardner is not yeah. alone. It's Star Trek. <laughs> There's some people who really love Star Trek the Motion Picture. Really. Uh, go, go on, go on, Jay. So I was just saying, like, you would go there and, like, you know, like when Predator came out, perfect example. I mean, we love Predator. Some of my favorite movies of all time, right? And the, the, you would go in and you're like, oh man, let's buy, I want to buy Predator. And you go there and it's like $129.99. And you're like, what? Because it's sell through at rental price. Like, like, movies weren't always available for like 10 bucks or whatever, you know, uh, you know, kind of thing, whatever. Like, it wasn't always available, you know, cheap. Like it's kind of taken for granted now. Like, uh, like a movie will come out in the theater, and I'll pre-order it on Blu-ray, you know. And like, you know, before, like, I mean, I'm like, I know I'm gonna get it in like a couple months or whatever, and it'll be twenty bucks, right? Back then, you're like, okay, we saw Predator in the theater, and then you had to wait so long before Predator was gonna be on HBO. It was on pay-per-view, excuse me. It was on pay-per-view, and then it was gonna go to HBO like three months after that, 
And then once it was on HBO, then you might have had a shot at it going down to a reasonable price to buy. Like, it was like you were waiting years to see yeah. movies. Yeah. Like, you would see a movie in the, in the summer of 86, and you wouldn't own it until almost 88 sometimes. And it just was like, oh, shit. Like, movies became much more important. See, the pro- and, and maybe this is why I literally have thousands of Blu-rays and thousands of DVDs and stuff like that. And we had thousands and thousands of tapes when we were kids. Because movies are were important to us. You know, it was part of the, one of the thing we enjoyed doing. Like, we were not a huge TV family. I'm not saying we didn't watch TV. We did. But we were not a huge TV, like... No Dallas, no Dynasty, no Knott's Landing. TV was kind of garbage in those days. Oh, but I'm saying, uh, but there's uh, people who like love TV, who like, like, yeah. I don't like. I mean, we watched some, like, we we obviously watched wrestling, but I'm saying, but Luke and I used to watch A Team if we remembered Knight Rider. Like, I'm trying to think what TV we watched that was like right. appointment. To, I, I I don't mean like sitcoms. Like sitcoms are sitcoms. Yeah, I, mean, I, I used to watch like Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, stuff like that. Anything that was on CBS, it was any good right <laughs> so wasn't much so, so i'm saying yeah. but you're looking at like so we weren't we weren't a big like 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 oh man we got to make sure we watch whatever it wasn't like like i don't like i don't remember watching miami vice very much i yeah, mean i neither did I. watch a lot of Miami vice some people who watched it religiously and it was what they would love doing and that's totally fine and like like, like, like kelly has just rewatched all of dallas and i was like oh my god this show is atrociously bad and I forgot how bad it was because I only ever saw snippets and pieces here and there or like whatever. And I said, God, did you watch this as a kid? She goes, oh, my God, we watch this all the time as a kid. And, and she's not a movie. Their family's not a movie family. Like, I'll say to them, I'm like, well, this movie. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you've never seen this movie? And it's not, I don't mean like something obscure, you know, kind of thing. Like, I mean, but, and then I'm like. Real okay, like I mean, yeah, they saw like like The Wizard of Oz and things like that, like the things that were always on TV. But I don't know if they ever. Okay, I can't tell you for sure that my in-laws have ever seen Mighty Joe Young or King Kong. Right? I don't know if they've ever seen them because it's not a conversation we have, right? <laughs> and like, let's face it, if you lived in New York and they did, and you were alive on Thanksgiving and they were. That got the both of them were on TV every single Thanksgiving forever and a day until they finally took them away from WOR. And Luke and I watched them movies that we could go line for line for line: Son of Kong, King Kong, Mighty Young, right yep, on TV. Yep. And it was like appointment help. Like, and what was it? Was it Babes in Toyland? Babes. Well, March of the Wooden Soldiers. March of the Wooden Channel Soldiers. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same right. movie. It's just the, which version you watch. Yeah. So what I'm saying, but that was like a like, that was TV. Like that was. And, and you knew on Thanksgiving, like, okay, on Thanksgiving, they're going to show King Kong, and I'm going to watch King Kong again, even though we've seen King Kong, and we knew we did whatever, and it, but it was just a thing you did. And now, that's all, I mean, TV's not even a thing you do yeah. anymore. I well, mean, like, TV no, for, no. for, and they still do it, but, like, TV then went to cable, and then it was like, we play this movie, we play a Christmas story for 24 hours, Christmas Eve and stuff. And now, and then it's like, ah, it's just here. It's an available option on your, your on Netflix or whatever, you right. know, now, if now people can set their own traditions or if they want to apply the old traditions, they can just like pop the shit up off their cable or off the yeah. cloud and watch right, it. That's you know? I mean, we're, we saw that, we saw that play out this year. With yes. the Charlie Brown stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, with Apple owning the rights to Charlie Brown, suddenly it was like, whoa, 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 what do you mean you're not putting Charlie Brown on ABC? 
What do you yeah. mean I can't watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving on ABC? And people are losing their freaking minds. And it's like because I, I'm it, half suspicious that was a publicity stunt. Well, it's either a publicity stunt or a furious bit of backpedaling. One of the yeah, two. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, well, uh, but, but, but it's the same it, idea, it's right? It's because it's, it, that. it, That's, you know, right? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Oh, no. I'm saying is, but the idea of physical, your physical media, right? Yeah. People start losing their mind. We can't watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Haley goes, why are people upset? Why don't they just get their Blu-ray out? Right. Or their <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And I said to her, I said, be Haley, because people are dumb. And uh, I, I don't watch movies on Blu-ray. You still have Blu-rays and DVDs. What, what are you in the stone age? And I'm like, okay. And then I'm what happened? Movie watching age. I'm in the watching the movie. I want age. And then yeah, what man. Take it away from them. They take it away from being on TV. And then not like they were even going to freaking watch it. Just the fact it wasn't going to be on TV at that time, which means it wouldn't be any part of the streaming they could get. Well, what do you mean it's not going to be there? And part of me is like, all right, you bunch of pussies. Sorry. Guess what? Yeah. I'll pull the Blu-ray out. We did. We put the Blu-ray on. Absolutely. It's a Thanksgiving night tradition. Watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and Garfield's Thanksgiving back to back. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we watch it before Thanksgiving, but still, it's the same idea. Like, it's like anything, like, at Christmas time, right, when we were growing up, and, you know, there was Rudolph, and there was Frosty, and there was, uh, what, um, tells the other ones. I mean, not, you didn't always get Santa Claus coming to town, you didn't always get. Yeah, you didn't get all of them. Yes, you got, you you got always, the one with the clock tower Rudolph. with the mice. Jesus What's Christ, the, we're getting more and more wholesome and wholesome as the seconds <laughs> go yeah, by. Let's get back to the titty. Linnea Quigley's titties. Let's go oh, my Merkin, God. Merkin, let, Merkin. Let me, it wasn't yes, even a that, Merkin. It was just, here's a Barbie doll bottom. Here's an appliance that you're going to wear. Yes, I mean, it's a yeah. vaginal appliance. <laughs> a vaginal you know, appliance. appliance. Nor normally, you got to go see some guy in Scarsdale to get fitted with one of those. But oh, uh, my. <laughs> we're, we're, going, we're going to New York. Repair. We're going to New York on this one. But, you know, the, the thing <laughs> about that. Poor Maytag repairman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about, I think about that whole thing with trash dancing is I read a great, a great bit with Linnea Quigley where she talked about that, you know, that she never really had a problem showing her breasts because she's like well guys just want to see bare breasts because they want to have fun right and it's like that's not a problem for me it's when you get full frontal that things start getting weird and it's yeah. like okay yeah i can get behind that but well, this you was talk, her you big debut about, you right about watching what did you talk about watching movies on different formats seeing this on blu-ray and suddenly you can see what the hell's going on it's very oh. weird it's a little off-putting i'm not gonna it's, lie uh, I mean, it's, no. what, what, yeah, wasn't I, this her big debut basically uh, no, she's done stuff before this, hadn't she? Okay, but this was like after this, she was famous for being naked, right? Because like the line of "Oh, she's naked again" just seemed like that seemed like <laughs> you know the a forebear of her the rest of her career. I, okay, I gotta go so, back to the I gotta go back to the appliance for a second. And, and even now, as an as an adult, when you when you when you watch that and you, and you see it, regardless of what format you're watching it in, that is the definition of confused boner. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> it's just like what I, mm, hmm. I was so happy in the movie theater, and I was gonna say on video, yeah, on video it worked fine. In the in the movie theater, I was just so happy to be a teenage boy in a in a blood soaked zombie movie, and then all of a sudden they're saying, oh yeah, here's some full frontal nudity for you too, and just oh here's about eight dozen butt shots. Yep. 
from various angles i was just the ha- i was just like this movie's giving me everything and it's making me laugh <laughs> and, and i love night of the living dead and it just like built this off night of- i was like oh my god yeah i mean because she had already done i'm sorry right so when shooting trash's uh, graveyard dance she initially was completely naked and would and showed pubic hair as was more the norm in the early 80s however the producer uh, graham henderson visited the shoot and according to himself and others, threw a fit yelling at Dan O'Bannon that, and I quote, you can't show pubic hair on television. Uh, Dan sent Leona quickly away and had her uh, completely shaved. You can't, which show couldn't, pu- you can't show pubic hair, so shave off the pubes. Right, coincidentally, uh, Leona uh, herself found to be the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. Then they did another shoot. To which Grams cried out, "Oh God, it's even worse! You can see everything." Yes. At this point. Wait. At this point, they sent Leona over uh, to Bill Munns and Will Stout, who made an alginate crotch piece resembling the bottom of a g-string and glued it on her. According to Quigley, this was a bit of a problem since every time she had to pee, that they had to remove it. Since uh, because of this, there are no shots of Leona with her completely naked crotch area like an apartment store mannequin. Um, so the the problem is, <laughs> uh, they glued it on. Not it wasn't. See the thing is, it wasn't just a G string that was painted the same color as her. They glued it on her. And yeah, it was it was like a scar on someone's face, basically, but right. just uh, just on her on her crotch that is now freshly shaven, and then poof, put it right on there. Now, That's not I, a place where no, I would want an appliance. I, I'm just saying this. You know, people always like, look, you know, the, you know, and they're, they're talking about Academy Award acting, whatever. Look, how many Academy Award, uh, you know, nominees are shaving their pubes off and then having an alginate, uh, you know, prosthetic, uh, you know, vaginal uh, covering glued on? That takes dedication. Leona Quigley was, snub, was snubbed that year. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> she's snubbed every year yeah well i mean i'm just saying is the movie can't you know you got to be released within the calendar year to be up for the award but like you, I, i'm telling you right now everyone's like oh my god you know uh what's she his put fa- lipstick in her nipple yeah they can't the i nipple. know i know the, <laughs> i mean the thing yeah what's his name she's who's done the- it all from from the guy from my left foot, what was his name? Daniel Day Lewis. They're like he was amazing, and 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 there will be blood, and this. And I've never seen him shave off all his pubes and glue a thing to. That would be impressive. So. Yeah. But as far as we had to quickly tomorrow and be like, listen, we have the capper to your whole career. You're gonna play a character that paints the Sistine Chapel with her butt. <laughs> <laughs> Paintbrush in her butt. Only yeah. you can do it. <laughs> well, the thing with the thing with uh, Ms. Quigley is that I mean, her first real—I um, mean, she had a few a few bit parts and extra parts, but her first real film, she was in the movie Fairy Tales, which yes. was produced by my boy Charles Band, and <laughs> that is that. I mean, that that's basically a softcore porn, and she plays Sleeping Beauty in that. So, and then she, before, and then she was in. Um, graduation day and don't go near the park. I don't think she gets naked in either of those, but to be honest, I, I haven't seen either of those in, in a long time. But she did a Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I already name dropped on this very mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, she, and she was she might graduation day. I'm trying to remember it. I, I know she was also, but she's in Silent Night, Deadly Night, and she's definitely topless in that. And then she's also in Savage Streets, 
And I, yeah, you know, so shout out, shout out to the Grind Bin podcast and Linda yeah. Blair and every Blair Vember over there on the Grind Bin. But they love Savage Streets. I'm pretty sure she's topless in that too. She gets and raped. Is she Linda Hamilton? Is she Linda? Um, is she, is she uh, Linda Blair's sister in that one? So she yes. she's she's the younger sister. She gets sister. raped. Yes, she gets raped. So and she's that causes talking. the the entire Savage Streets to occur yes. in that movie. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's in the documentary I was watching. It was called it's called Direct to Video. They have a lot of interviews with Lionel Quigley and stuff like that. And she talks about that. She talks about the about being naked and being the idea like that she was okay with her sexuality and she was okay, you know, being there because you know, um, you know, it's she's like, yeah, my breasts, okay, big deal. Everyone's seen them, like you know, kind of thing. Like, but she goes, that's what I had to do to make money back then. And it's like she's not embarrassed by it. And I think that's part of the. I think that's what people want her to be. People want her to be embarrassed. Or I, be, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. From seeing all her roles, I wouldn't think she would. I. Th- I mean, that's why I think they brought her in for so much nudity because she she didn't care. So it was the the scenes were never awkward. She was actually acting through them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it's like what's her name? Uh, Julie Strain, right? It's Julie Strain. Yeah. Did I say that. Yeah, Julie yeah. Strain. And, and Brink Stevens and like those other like you know the the ones who became the the kind of you know. B movie screen, screen queens. queens, yeah. Like who got naked? Who had their boobs hanging out? Who had the, what? Like they, those movies. At no point are you sitting there going, "Man, you know, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is a great film." But if you're making a movie called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, which I own on Blu-ray, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and on VHS, yeah. well, not VHS. Hey, I have a plant. The, I have a plant in my house that was in a Fred Olin Ray movie. So I'm yeah, just we all, we all have our connections. It, <laughs> right. When, when you when you make movies like that, like those movies were not made to be high cinema. They're made to make money. And shockingly, they cost about a dollar eighty seven to make and they make money. Well, now, when I think when I think Julie Strain, I think it's more the, the like the DVD of a Julie Strain movie sells more for the like DVD extras of her, yeah. like, let me try on this G string and stuff like that, you know. But whereas Leanna Quigley was like. She was an actress in a horror movie who got nude. She was like all the, the Brink Stevens and stuff. They were like almost like based on like pulp. They, they almost enhanced their body into like pulp novel covers, you know, uh, (laughs) models and stuff like that. So they're, so they sort of like are the visual idea where ideal, whereas Leanna Quigley was just sort of like, the the like an actual like wild girl that they caught in the wild yeah and... oh, no I, I get that i'm just saying is it's just these that there's there's a whole section of people or you know whatever of people who want that they should be ashamed of all this stuff well, why are they being ashamed like they, i mean they 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 obviously are comfortable with who they are and their body and they're putting it on film no one's it's it's okay if you said to me this was like you know someone peeping through a window filming for real reels when they, and they had no consent in doing it. Well, That's yeah. totally different. These are people, a grown adults making decisions. And at the end of the day, uh, the, the being, people who want her to feel bad, aren't the ones who are going out and enjoying return of the living dead. Anyway, I, I don't want her to feel ashamed because I want her to keep making movies. I don't want her to write her book about how she's 
you know, become born again Christian and renounces all her nudity. I want to, I want to hear what her next work is. <laughs> yeah, just just, a, just as an aside, Linnea Quigley has authored three books. Yeah. So if, uh, if you would like to, to read. And I'll bet you they aren't about her born again experience renouncing no. her past. <laughs> Actually, I do think, I, I do believe the third one, Skin, I do believe actually does talk about her, her work as an animal rights activist and an active member of PETA. I yeah, believe. well, so Wendy Williams was a member too. Yeah, Wendy Williams was an animal rights activist too, and she yeah. had she had duct tape on her nipples and and rode on the top of buses, road warrior style. So there you go. I'm also a member of the people for animals. Well, that's what I mean. She's she's one of us, you know. Like Todd Browning's freaks, basically. Yeah, exactly. One of us. Google, Google gobble, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the isn't that, an, the, isn't that an Italian deli meat? No, that's gobble gobble. Gobble gobble. gobble. It's funny uh, because gobble is actually capicola. capicola. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> I love capicola and prosciutto. Prosciutto. You like, prosciutto. You like all you like all the meats that end in vowels, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just like meats in my mouth. Take that. Yeah, I like all month. the meats that end in my belly. Yeah. Get him out of there! Like the I, brains, it takes away the pain from dying. What the? Now let me tell you that. That sounds that like Corky the zombie. Yeah, <laughs> you, you nailed it. That's what I was going for. Shit, shit's getting shit's getting weird at about the forty minute mark here, guys. Weird, but uh, the, uh, the you know, but that but that whole that whole sequence. First off, the effects of that. Of yeah. the half, the half body, just fantastic. The fantastic the little bit of clear stuff. drool at the end of her spine, yeah, as her spine twitched, was the thing that got me in the movie theater. That was the part of it that was just like, it seemed like it was just that extra bit of realism well, and the, ex, the, extra extra mo- going the extra John Carpenter's the thing mile to make you skin gross. is all warped and green and blotchy and yeah ripped away and it's like oh god but she's only probably a few years old because she's got pink hair she was probably like a punk rocker very much like um trash you know (laughs) she's she's got that 80s that pink hair even the zombies are 80s <laughs> What's what with you, that? Are you rocking Ricky from the from Gremlins over there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I loved how you're she not rocking also... Ricky fans. You're not rocking Ricky fans. <laughs> I just love how she's just snapping at his forehead, though. Just like, ah, ah. yeah. So I can get a little lick, a little taste. I'm gonna do it. Just but, a little uh, bit. But that, but that, but that whole that whole segment, that sequence. Where she talks about that brains, they take the pain away. And again, we, we talked about how this, you know, being in the mid 80s and the punk scene and all that. You know, what, what was one of the other big things culturally in the 80s? It was drugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just say no and all that. And, and dare and, and all that, all that, all that jazz. So the idea of, the, of zombieism as an addiction. You know, because Romero had talked about zombieism and and the idea of commercialism and consumerism and, uh, you know, consuming things because it's a something you feel you have to do and you have a compulsion to do it. This kind of builds on that. Right. The idea that that the drug is this compulsion that now you it's not it's more than a compulsion. It's now an addiction. Well, it's 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 weird because like it's because and, and it's like usually in a zombie movie. 
you become a zombie by dying or getting bit. And in this movie, it does, if you get bit, you just bleed out, you know. And yeah. if you die, you just die. You get the you 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 get you become a zombie in this by being exposed to a chemical. Yeah. And like that's I think Leon Quigley is the only her and the the guys who originally got sprayed. I assume she became a zombie because she was just like laying in the uh, mud puddle of zombie chemical. She was the only like person that like turned, you know, that didn't get sprayed in the face with it. It was kind of weird. And she kind of got like a bigger mouth too, like a, a a little bit of a vampire mouth, which was weird, but like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't presenting the, the, as like a disease or a plague. It was, it was a chemical. It was a classic military fuck-up. That's what it was. <laughs> the, the, from orbit, the only way to be sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> she, she, uh, they said that uh, um, you can see this scene when, when, because she looks like a vampire, basically. I mean, she's completely, yeah. like, white and whatever. But you can see, uh, if we, again, the Blu-ray does not do wonders sometimes for clearing everything up. It looks awesome when you watch it on TV. But when she goes to throw her mouth open, you can see like all the, because her mouth's supposed to open even wider. You can kind of tell where the you prosthetic is. Like you can yeah. tell they had to keep the, the cut, the shots short with that. Yeah. Like, But it looks really cool. I mean, the thing is she, I mean, with her, with her body being completely stark white, um, she stands out against, I mean, you know, the, the, the cinematography is great because you're able, I mean, she, you want your eye to move through the picture, you know, kind of thing. Like anything, it's like a, a painting or anything you want to so, have. Yeah, the, the stark white, hot, naked girl does yeah. the trick. No, but I'm saying, but Quebec, yes, but I'm saying, but the fact that she's, she's there, but her hair is like really orange. Like it's real, like everything, like it's yeah. all extremes on her and it's so dark. So like it, it pulls visually, it pulls you in to the scene more, right? Whether she was naked or not, just the, the colors make your eye well, focus where it this, wants to this, go. This is an art that got lost in the digital age, which is shooting in darkness because yeah. now they just time the, they'll just go in post and time everything down to darkness. Yeah. And and in in the old days they had to light everything to make it look like it was gonna look the way you wanted. So you would have like when you wanted to do something dark, you would have areas of dark and then light cutting through it to hit the stuff that you needed. So you would see the stuff that you needed as sharply as they needed it to be. Whereas now they'll darken stuff down and you'll just see like a lot of blur stuff will turn into a blur till it gets close enough or something like that. Whereas in this, you know, when they needed you to know that there were a ton of zombies coming out of the darkness, you saw it like clearly. And uh, I mean, it's so beautifully shot the shots of all the shots of like the perfect example that are all the shots of the people at various times walking from the cemetery to the, the medical supply building or the morgue because they're all lit by street lamps and they're all really, you know, everything is like blue or black beyond it. And with like a little orange here and there, and it's, they're just gorgeous shots to look at. And you know, the, like when I first, the first few times I saw the movie, you don't even think about it, but after you've seen it like a hundred times, you're watching all the, the just beautifully planned out camera moves. It's just perfectly done. Uh Yeah. The other thing too is when you're like when they have the uh, the half corpse tied down. Uh, I mean, obviously 
her, uh, the ropes tying her down, of course, are, they are red with black, which play against the color of her skin, which is a more green and rock color. Like, it, it all plays together. Instead of it being just, like, regular-looking rope, the rope has to have color. Like, it has to, and again, maybe it was on purpose, maybe it wasn't, it was something they had. But the thing is, they could have made the rope white, you could have made it whatever, but it, it adds to the entire thing because it's just a different color for your eye to keep picking yeah. up on those things. Um, I mean, I, I don't know why. Well, it goes, her, bright, pink, but it goes it, with the punk well, rock too, you know. I yeah. get that, but I'm saying is, but I mean, they didn't have to make her hair pink. They could have made her hair like blue. They could have made her whatever, but it works really well because it contrasts against her skin color, you know, kind of thing. Those little things that don't seem that people don't even give credit for, you know. Uh, I mean, it's it's pink, but it's like really red at the the roots. That's so you're wondering, you know, yeah. Is it, yeah, is it is it just a faded out color from her hair? Was her hair red at one point? Whatever, but that zombie looks real, like it looks like it's a real living thing. It's not, you know, that like and literally when when it's because when the spine is moving, like the spine moves and stuff like that. I mean, it's all puppets underneath, but it looks real. It looks to the point where you're like, okay, I could buy that this is a real thing in front of me, you know? So it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting when you start looking at um, the work that Tony Gardner did, because he's the one who did the puppets uh, with the, the animatronic half corpse puppet, especially and stuff. Uh, his work there, I mean, he's gone on to do well, tons and tons of other movies and stuff, but it's like, what I'm just saying. So you, so you look at that the, stuff and how the walking corpse from five. the bat, like oh, with 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 the, with the with the slimy pussy layer on top of his head, <sighs> and the way he moved and and acted, I mean, it just looked impossible. Like I'm not. I I think sometimes he was a guy in a in a suit and sometimes he might have been like puppeted well he's but, a puppeteer that's playing him right jay isn't it a, a puppet actor who is who is doing all that 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 yep. suit work it's very so, much it feels very much like somebody pretending to be someone on strings you know like it's got that pinocchio but man it looks like he's an animated sack of slimy bones you know it looks it, the the way they made him up and put a, the background to maybe you know cancel out like his body parts and stuff because you couldn't just cg it out and you know you couldn't just cg bones onto his legs so he looks just like a corpse that's having a hard time keeping it together yeah it's amazing well the the fact and that's why they put as much slime on him and tar he's called the tar man and he's on it's on him for that reason like his whole body just moves weird but the slime and stuff flows well on him so your 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 eye is tricked into believing there's less mass mm-hmm. and more goo than there is and, and a shamble too d- right. does yeah. it and the rags hanging off everything just is makes the illusion perfect right it's 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 just much like when when james cameron used um when he used dancers to be the alien the aliens and aliens Right. So they move, they jump, they move like they're able to move in a way that seems unnatural to those of us who are not able to move that way. Like, you know, most people don't, you know. Yeah, no, they've trained themselves to do different things. Yeah, they make their bodies move in ways that appear to us to be unnatural. 
right? It's it's much how uh, Harryhausen, when he would purposely animate things, he would make sure he animated things in a way so there was no way someone could say, well, that's just a guy in a suit. Like, oh, no, no, I'm going to make sure the Cyclops has styre legs because no man could walk like that. And why? Because he wanted to – because it has to look – Yeah. has to look – no, not, I don't want to say different in a bad way, but it has to look like, well, there's not a guy in a suit. And it's not – It has not, to look like its own thing. Yeah. Right. That's an, I'm not taking away from anyone wearing a suit and suit acting. I'm not saying that because that's needed as well. But when you have people who are trained to move their body in a different way, your eye picks it up as being wrong – but there's mass and there's thing. Okay, yeah. this is real. Well, that's why you get your Andy Circuses and your Doug Joneses that you yeah. know that yeah. that that can do that. You know, think, think about just Doug Jones in, in Pan's Labyrinth, right? Yeah. With playing, um, oh my God, I totally forgot his name. The with the, the the thing with the hand, where you can see the eye yeah. in there. He, he moves there, or when he plays the Angel of Death in Hellboy Two, right? Oh, or yeah. the Hellboy Hellboy Two, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, where where he literally is just. You know, he move everything he does is exaggerated in a way that makes it look otherworldly, but not right. like, oh my, this guy's making fun of things. I mean, Christ Almighty, him as Gollum, and then him as King Kong. Like, you look at both, yeah. and you're like, both those things, and both of them. I mean, he moves. You believe when you're watching Kong that it's an ape, as if they really filmed an ape. And when Gollum, you know, you you believe it's just this character who just, you know, the way he just moves in and out, you. Okay, it looks real, you know. And then, and then, by the same token, he's friggin' Caesar, and Caesar moves like an ape, but he's much more manlike than an ape would be. So it's not like he just did the same thing he right. did in King Kong. And he, he did and he has his own body language in the yeah. context of the apes, so you can yeah. tell, like, you could tell Caesar from a distance just by the way he held himself. And yeah, you know, it's I mean, it's a skill, and it was the same. With Harryhausen, I think it's a part of their imagination that just sees what, you know, they they have to create. So, like you know, Andy Serkis sees himself as King Kong and just, you know, like Marlon Brando would become a character. He would physically become that character, you know. Right. But I, and I think that's why those are the ones you talk to. Dad and I talk about this all the time on uh, on Bosco's Bays. We took like like, well, why are we still talking about this? You know, seventy years later, eighty years later, you know, whatever kind of thing. Like, why are we talking about this? Because you know, when Willis O'Brien, you know, animated King Kong, no one had ever seen anything like this, and yet no one has bettered the way he did that with the stop motion for Kong. And it wasn't until Harryhausen pushed the envelope even further. Like, you know, what you remember that? Why? Because first of all, not everyone can do it. I mean, when you see bad stop motion, good Lord, bad stop yeah. motion, you're like, oh, God, what are they doing? It's, and I, I'd rather watch bad stop motion uh, a thousand times over than bad CGI, right? Yeah. Because that's the problem. It's like your mind just reads it as wrong, not otherworldly, but wrong. Mm. And when you see otherworldly, you buy it. That's why when – and Luke talked about the idea that, like, you know, zombies, uh, um, Romero brought – uh, with Night of the Living Dead, which, you know, I mean, let's be honest, he made a movie for almost no money. It became, you know, so much bigger than the sum of its parts ever could be, you know, let alone, I mean, for, forget, forget the, forget the, you know, the fact that you have an African-American lead with a white woman in the middle of the 60s, like, forget that, right? Let's forget that, that aspect of things. Just what that movie did for the way 
film was done and how you could be independent and how you didn't have to be part of the system, all the different aspects of the move that, that, it, that it comes up with. But to take the idea of a ghoul, because remember, it's not called a zombie in his films, right? To do that and then to get to Dawn of the Dead, where it's like, I mean, Dawn of the Dead has some parts you're like, okay, that's just, it's things we look as being like, like when the helicopter chops the top of the zombie's head off, you're like, okay, yeah. it's silly. <laughs> but like, that movie wasn't played for laughs. You're not sitting there giggling the whole way through. And then when you get time, you get to Day of the Dead, he's like, yeah, fuck all of you. I'm not doing, there's nothing funny here. There's, it's not funny. It's disturbing and horrible, and people are shit, and that's what it is. So when you look at those things, yeah, and you're Bob, like, well, that's Bob is only it. funny in a sort of like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, right. right. But I'm saying, so, but it's not funny. They, they're not sitting there yeah. laughing. It's not that. And that's where you got zombie, and that's where you got city living dead, and that's where you got all those, uh, the Italian, all the ripoff, other thing like like the um, the Beyond, and things like like those uh, movies are not funny and then to take that concept right that these movies they are not funny and then make a movie that literally you laugh through right and not but I mean, it starts out with those movies and says these movies are real or you know night of the living dead was real real like but this it, is but, real but but, it, but you know it was filtered through media and right. so like it almost starts with a serious conceit and yeah. then yeah which is but that's what makes it but that's what sells it because you think about it like the reality of life is that there are some things that happen in life that are fuck all serious and there's nothing funny about it at all but a, a the idea that a dead person is gambling around like they shouldn't be coordinated they shouldn't be able to do whatever they shouldn't be able and then when you like when they tackle the the, the yellow guy to the ground yes. it's like what the fuck is going on here? He's like, ah, 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 ah. and he's like running around. No, it's yeah. like, no, it's, it's the absurdity. It's the absurdity in this. I had never that seen thing. anything like that. Well, once, once they put the thing through his head, I mean, that's a magic moment in genre cinema when they ice pick his head to the ground and he keeps screaming. The yes. movie theater went nuts because it was just like, whoa, what? Okay, everybody was right there with him with. Yes. Okay, what right. now? And then when they just kept upping it, when they saw the head off, it's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is just gone berserk. Right. Well, right. It, exactly. The only thing that came close to it, I think, with mashing horror, like being like, okay, we'll be horror and comedy. I think up to this point was like American Werewolf in London, where it oh, sort well, of. Yeah. But John this. They tried to like wink at the camera on some of those and, things. And you know, this was sort of like that. And but I think this came before uh, Dead or Dead by Dawn, or or or, or uh, yeah, Evil Dead Evil. Two. Yeah, but, well, Evil. Okay, remember but it, this but is it also had the same, same sort that same sort of over the top like, yeah, we're gonna ice pick the head down, then we're gonna cut the head off, and uh, and we're not just gonna cut the head off. He's gonna saw it off in yeah. full frame. While the guy's vocal cords get savaged as he, yeah. he as you saw the guy's like ah, his vocal cords are getting destroyed from the back and it's so the sound is exactly but, okay. there. So so think about think about though at this same time around the same time you have Reanimator which can't get released in the theaters it's too yeah, gory. Reanimator's sort of there too. Reanimator yeah. is nuts. But what happens in Reanimator? You 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 have I mean. Jeffrey Combs is one-liners or his his it's dialogue more, in there. Reanimator it's, is more funny and shot. Yes, right. Yeah. What I'm saying is, but Reanimator is you're watching this going, okay, this is 
absolutely nuts. Like you're yeah. looking, this is insane. You could totally buy that if a zombie apocalypse started to happen, right? It, not everything. Not, it's not always going to be fucking, you know, Walking Dead and whatever. It's not going to be like I'll have my crossbow and do this. No, you're going to fuck up things. You're going to screw things up. Like you know, it's going to be like the stairs are going to be broken. This is going to happen. Whatever. Like you know, you're going to have to try to burn up body parts and call them rabid weasels and don't open the bag or any yeah. you know, thing. And, uh, and oh. plus, plus these zombies get to run and think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, and and um and there's a funny anecdote about this. Uh, the two to the two older characters here, Bert and Ernie. Yep. So a lot of people said, "Oh, that's a straight up, you know, shot at Sesame Street there, and whatever." And Dan O'Bannon goes, "Holy crap! I didn't even realize I even used those two names. <laughs> Literally, didn't even realize." He said, "He goes, I had no idea I used Bert and Ernie." He goes, "Bert," he goes, "They were different characters because Ernie's name wasn't Ernie originally. It changed, and it was like." He had some really German name. It's supposed not supposed to be Ernie. It's Ernst, whatever. You know, it's like this big long German thing. The whole thing is he was literally just supposed to be a Nazi, and they just kind of it happened that way. And so, but well, those they, little, I, they don't. It, it it didn't really it didn't really hit me while the characters were acting together. But there is a point at the end where they're at the door together. And one of them goes, blah, 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 Bert. And the other one goes, blah, 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 Ernie. And then I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Bert and Ernie have been in the movie the whole time. And I thought that was where they, in the movie, they were slapping you in the face and going, yeah, Bert and Ernie, Bert and Ernie. Yeah. You know, and and that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, so it's those kind of things that, like, the, so to make, you know, to, to make a good movie, a lot of things have to go right. You know, you have to have, you know, Sometimes it'd be whatever the funding comes to, whatever, whatever it might be. There's all these things that have to get lined up, right? Because we all know to make a shitty movie, you just kind of need a couple of things to go mm. in the whatever and you get done. To make a good one, you need a lot of things lined up. To make a movie that literally uh, almost 40 years later, you're still talking about, it's still relevant, it's still funny. I mean, okay, so when all... Well, when they Corey, obviously put the work into it. That's the thing. Yeah, right. That's what I'm difference. saying. Yeah, Things have to, but but it's but how many how many movies you see they they spend all this money and people are working their asses off and doing this stuff and it just doesn't have it, right? You, it has to have the it factor and this has it. So a, a perfect example. Okay, so we're when we when quarantine first started way back in March and all this other horseshit, right? This was on HBO and I said, Haley, we're gonna watch this and she goes, What do you mean? I go, Well, we're gonna do film study and we're gonna do a film study on this movie and she goes. Oh, okay, because I had to watch it for the vault, and with Dad and I were going to eventually do it. So I'm like, we're going to watch this, and so to, so now she's never seen it, right? She has no idea, and nudity doesn't bother her, and the blood and gore doesn't bother her, and whatever. And she starts going, Dad, am I uh, is this supposed to be funny? I said, Yes. Yeah. She goes, Okay, good, because I was going to start laughing at some things, but I didn't know if I was allowed to laugh because zombie movies aren't like, zombies aren't supposed to be funny all the time. And when they are funny, Shaun of the Dead, right? It's blatantly obvious. I mean, Shaun of the, Dead, the zombies aren't funny in Shaun of the Dead. The fucking crazy shit that happens is funny in Shaun of the Dead. But there would be, there would be no Shaun of the Dead if there was never a Return of the Living Dead. Right. And, and, yeah. and then it's sequence. And, and Shaun of the Dead films its comedy like comedy sequences, too. It'll yes. put music to it and like film it like a sequence or do an ironic... You know, right. this is this is from another movie montage, whereas yeah. Return of the Living Dead, it's it's comedy is just integrated into the horror. It's not right. 
it's not like this is a it's not like um scary movie horror it's it's no, no, no. Yeah. a joke it's 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 just integrated into the characters and it's never like implausible you know yeah. it's never like something that well i mean it is something that wouldn't happen in reality <laughs> but it's all stuff that would happen in that reality right. and uh, I, I, that's why it I mean, works so well because it just play it, it plays out in this it just sadistic sadistic glee you know <laughs> right up until the darkest ending oh yeah that you could yeah. ever think of yet at the same time you know it cracks you up it's hilarious all the well, it's you awesome. know it's also all the characters that you actually like get killed yeah. and yeah. it's hilarious well it, the, the, like, especially when he goes do you hear that you know kind of thing like yeah you know, but the thing is, I'm just what I'm saying is, is like you didn't have a lot of horror comedies or successful horror comedies that were not designed to be straight up comedies, like designed to be silly, designed to be whatever. This was not. This is you can take this movie as a straight up horror movie, and the gore is is you know on point, and the effects are on point, and everything here works. And yet you can take this as a comedy and say, okay, it's still funny, and it has a thing, but it's not. It's the difference, I think between um okay so if, if you're gonna watch planes trains and automobiles or you're gonna watch naked gun those are two very different comedies yes. and while you can enjoy both of them because i do there's not not the same kind of comedy this is not the same kind of thing but i don't i think with, without a movie like this kind of saying to people hey it's okay to have some humor some real humor in your gore it's okay to do that. Like, you know, you got your chocolate, my peanut butter, you got your, my peanut butter, my chocolate, you know, kind of thing. And you have to kind of have that happen. And I think that's really important because when you look at part two of this, Return of the Living Dead part two, it amps the comedy up and I don't think it works as well. The effects are good. Everything else is good. I just don't think it works as well because of the fact that they tried to push the comedy part too much. Yeah. And we get to part three, they really tone the comedy way down, almost none, and it doesn't work. Again, I like both the other Three's two. Three's a little like better than two, I thought, just because it went in a slightly different direction. But, the, yeah. you, I mean, that combination, I mean, you had Dan O'Bannon, first of all, at the helm, and, like, yeah. the just the script is fantastic, and the collection of actors was, like, perfection perfection yeah. so you're just you're just never gonna and also you're never gonna get anybody to give you a proper proper budget near the you know it's yeah it's it's lucky two and three were actually as decent sort of as they were you know well, i don't remember a lot i saw both two and three and i don't remember an awful lot about them there's only there's, the, the, two because we i mean who knows we may cover it at some point Two is kind of novel in the fact that the main antagonist is a child zombie, yeah. um, which you know, I, you know, I'm down with. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it is a lot more humor, and it's and it's not humor that um, let's just say has aged well due to the fact that it's super of the time. Uh, speaking of, you know, Michael Jackson zombie, which I yep. I fucking crack up every time I watch it. And see that because yep. it's hilarious because we're you know only a couple of years removed from Thriller, but right, um, right, that's only gonna go so far. And if you didn't grow up with it, then you're not gonna give a shit. Well, but the thing is, and, that, and that's one of the things like Luke was talking about. Like this is an evergreen title. This is always available on Blu-ray and DVD, and there's different versions. There's like seven or eight different Blu-ray versions of this out. 
re-releases, different covers, you know, internationals, PALs, all the different things, right? And yet, when it came time to release Part 2, Shout Factory or Scream Factory did put out Part 2, but they didn't have the rights to Part 3. Vestron put out Part 3. I think it's Vestron. They have the different cover, right? And the thing was, it wasn't like they were clamoring to get these all together in one big thing, because let's face it, one is going to sell really well. And the other ones might sell. I'm not saying they won't, because I mean, I, I own all of them on Blu-ray and DVD. What I'm just saying is like... It's a niche audience. It's a completist yeah, it, audience. Yeah. More. It's a lot more niche than the first one. You can you can watch this. Like, I'll be honest. Dad loved this. Dad Dad thought this movie was great. He was hooting during it. He When we reviewed it, he's smiling the whole time. I don't know if he would like part two that much. And I don't... I mean, I think he might like part three more as a straight-up horror movie. But I think he wouldn't enjoy them as much as he did part one. I think a lot of people, when they watch two and three, they don't enjoy them because it is in part one. And yes, I understand that like you really don't want to make the same movie again and it's part two. But there's when you have a certain tone, a certain thing, it's hard to recapture some of that sometimes. It's which hard is why, to make steak out of hamburger, man. Well, but, OK, so the reality of life is that like most sequels are not as good and not as on the on the same level as their as their uh you know the the, the original if the original's uh, you know an all-time classic right kind of thing and it's only when you explore something different i'm thinking alien compared to aliens they are not nowhere near the same movie do they have right. similar themes to them at times yes but they are so diametrically different than each other at other times it allows you to accept them as their own standalone right. films right, right. whereas yeah. If you're really dependent on your first movie leading you into your second movie, and your second movie falls kind of flat, it, or not even flat, it could be good. It just, but it doesn't at the same level. That often will kind of like, okay, well, but it's not as you know the first one. Like there, there are there are very good movies that are sequels that are not as good as the original, but if they were not the sequel. Like when when you when your alien alien does the thing of where it keeps the budget high for the alien movies and they get a-list directors whether they're successful with right. those directors or not they get a-list directors like gremlins 2 worked because joe dante came back and he wanted to make yeah. something different and new from gremlins but most of the time like with return of the living dead it's it's the title of the movie that's driving the whole thing and then they find a director and and by three, you had people working on it, I think, who were like more like fans of the first film mm -hmm. and tried to do something different. Whereas the second film, they just sort of like tried to redo it. And like we're like, oh, yeah, there was lots of comedy. So let's up the comedy. But you don't end up with the same, you know, Return of the Living Dead came out of a original original idea from Night of the Living Dead even. But like, you know, it was a, a thing on its own and developed with love. And whereas the sequels are like, let's get a sequel out to that. We don't have to pay as we don't have to budget it as much and we'll hire some guy to direct it, you know, who's done a couple good B movies or whatever, or, you know, so it just never almost never works out, you know, unless you have like that. B movies just don't get a good B movie doesn't get the respect usually of of like trying to make the sequel new or different because it's it's working on a different level it's working on the like mm -hmm. we gotta get it out there and get it on the the shelves 
Well, yeah, rather I mean, it worked make for... it, rather than like let's let's top this artistic creation with another artistic creation. Well, that's the thing. Are you looking at it as an artistic creation like the Alien movies, or are you looking at it as just an, a, a, a yearly franchise like Friday the Thirteenth? And I love yeah. the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but I mean, you know what you're. Sometimes getting. you end up, yeah. Sometimes you end up with both, like Halloween. You know, where for the most part it was Halloween. And then you have that whole pattern. Halloween two is just sort of like let's basically do it copy again. Ha- let's basically copy Halloween, and then it's just like ah, eh, you know, and it's sort of a, a race to the bottom for a while until some sort of reboot or restart over again or something. But the sequels just get sillier and sillier and have rap stars in them and stuff. So you know, I I yeah, re, re, you know, unless Dan O'Bannon's behind it, I'm like going to give a hairy eyeball to any re- anything with Return of the Living Dead. Just like when I saw the... I I think I saw Return of the Living Dead 3 in the remake, quote-unquote. I think they just slapped the title onto it of uh, Day of the Dead. If anybody ever caught it. Yeah, that was the one with... Uh, fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even bother seeing that. It was terrible. And, didn't uh, didn't uh, Tom Savini direct that or something? I'm trying to remember. He did one of them. No, he did the remake of Night of the Living Dead. He did the 90s remake of Night of the Living Dead, which is really right. good. Yeah, no, no, but no, they did no, after... He also after, did a Day uh, of the Dead also. Oh. Uh, Ooh. I'm looking uh, at if it. If it was that movie, it was pretty terrible. That was the one with, what, Mina Savari and Ving Rhames, right? Yeah, it, uh, well, there's there's more than one of them. That's oh, the, oh, well, okay. It, yeah. So well, I know, like, the right one I saw was the, definitely the not Dawn of the Dead remake. They, they did that one. They, they did a Day of the Dead direct-to-video remake. That's what I'm talking about, Day of the Dead remake. It was... Yeah. There's a couple of Day of the Dead remakes. There, well, there's remakes, yeah. and then there's unofficial Day of the Dead. I'm looking it up right now. I could spell the... Well, there was... There so there's Day of the Dead Bloodlines, there's Day of the Dead from 2008. Um, the 2008 Day one Day is probably the one I saw. There's Day of the Dead 2 con- uh, Contiguum. Like, they're just, think, I mean, the, the, yeah, the Mina Savari one is 2008, that's, right? Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. That's, um, that's where is it? Uh, it's Mina Savari, Nick Cannon. Oh, yes, Nick Cannon. Um, Nick Cannon. Um, is miss it now ving rames is in the dawn of the dead remake which is a good movie but didn't need to be called dawn of the dead so right, right. um but that was steve minor made that steve minor who you know would make a bunch of uh you know um friday the third he made friday the 13th part two and hollywood h2o and warlock and on the wonder years and stuff like that you know um but yeah it's just one of those things it's like it's not you know it, I mean, you, the title itself is what they're putting out there, you know, kind of thing. Like, um, it's it's a lot of, uh, and, and I get it, like, it's because the title itself will bring certain people in. There are people who are just like, oh, I got to check this out. No matter how bad it might be, like, well, I'll check it out. It was, like, how bad could it be? And you watch, you go, oh, my God, it's that bad, you know, kind it of thing. It that but, bad, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but you've already watched it, though. That's the problem, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> It's not like you can say, "Oh no, I'm going to unwatch this." No, you already watched it. They already, you know, got you. Um, so, but be that as it may, uh, the the Return of Living Dead. Now, um, we've talked about part two and part three, and of course, there is there are two other later sequels. Um, uh, Return of Living Dead, uh, 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 Necropolis, and then 
Um, no, the other one was called, I think it was Rave to the Grave. Uh, uh, yeah, Rave to the Grave. Um, those are both sequels in name only. They don't. They have nobody from the original. I don't remember them having an original. Uh, I'm looking right now. No, there's no one. Uh, kind of thing. <laughs> Officially, hard no. Everybody um, in the original got nuked. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying, but there's not even anybody from any of the other ones. Um, I mean, Rave to the Grave is all about the kids are doing. They're doing a, a drug called Z, which is the zombie thing is turning into zombie. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, those two movies were shot back to back. I think they were not shot back to back. I think they were shot at the exact same time, and they just took all the footage they had and just separated it out into two movies. Oh, like God. literally, they're just like, let's just shoot a whole bunch of shit, and we'll cut the movies up. It's like you know, booking backwards, you know, kind of thing. Like we don't really have a script. Let's just keep going. So, oh. same director, but um, anyway, those are not worth watching. Um, you know, this movie, of course, if you've never seen the return, the Return of the Living Dead, um, and then of course the other sequels drop the word "the" from all the titles. Uh, go check it out. The Blu-ray goes in and out of like availability. It's weird. The uh, the 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 one I was talking about, the Scream Factory one. Um, you can find it sometimes for like fifteen twenty bucks, and then sometimes it'll go. It'll be out of like just it won't be around as much anymore, and there'll be more coming. Um, because it is technically a collector's edition, uh, but it does pop up here and there. I wouldn't spend a hundred dollars on something crazy like that because again, it's uh, you can see the movie for about like you know five six bucks on Amazon streaming. You can own it streaming, you know, kind of thing. So, um, and like I said, the version that's out there now, I want to say the one on Amazon is taken from the Shout Factory Blu-ray. I, I don't I can't say that for 100% certainty, but I want to say I'm pretty sure that's what it's taken from. So it's going to be the most complete version you're going to find, unless you find the VHS, which Luke mentioned at the very beginning. But if you find the VHS that Luke mentioned at the very beginning, I I don't know. Unless you're a real big fan, you want to save that. I would try to turn that around and maybe make you know a, make a make a profit on well, it. Well, I was going to say that would be a nice eBay sale during COVID yeah. times. Yeah. Just saying. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, you know. When you're, uh, I know some people, I mean, it used to be more than others, you know, as, as, uh, you know, Honeywell, you know, as you would go, you were doing your garage sailing and stuff like that. When you're, you, you know, you're, you're in a used bookstore, right, Luke, and, you know, kind of thing, or you're mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yard sailing or whatever, yeah, and you see absolutely. something like that, you got to kind of know what you're looking at. It's, it's really I, good to know if you're doing that, like, there's a hand, there's like a handful, you know, and, and in the, VHS that means maybe like a hundred, two hundred like right. VHSs that like if you find them, you've just hit a gold mine, you know, mm -hmm. because either like like this one maybe copyright stuff has taken some music off it, or it's just nobody's ever bothered to to re reprint it, or it's been in some weird um ownership hell where where somebody owns it and doesn't want to release it or something but if you find i've i've heard that um vhs's of dr quinn medicine woman go for big bucks people yeah, love well, gene seymour well, well, I, I i think it's one of those things that they never like really like never did a dvd set of they might have by now you know but that or that you know but it might be like in a vault because somebody, one producer of it was just like, ah, I'm done with it, you know? Okay. And so, yeah, the people have it's to get their Dr. Quinn. 
really watches it. I can tell you that it's on TV. I've known some people. I've known some people who love their Dr. Quinn medicine woman. So, yeah. But I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that you know, if you if you've never seen this, you should go out of your way to find it uh, and watch it again. If you want to watch it digitally, it's on Amazon. Um, it goes in and out of being on Prime, um, you know, here and there, uh, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. Was it on Tubi? Luke, I don't know. I don't. I thought. Uh, I, thought... I don't. Nah, it, I don't think it is right now. It might have been at one point. I, I, I happen to have you know, I've I've got a, a disc that I watched on this one. I can check the. This is one that you do see it and its sequels pop up on those streaming services. You know. Oh. Uh, for those of you interested, uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, the complete series on DVD, right now on Amazon, $112.42. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of TV. Yeah. It's not, it's gonna that's run not you terrible. There's a, there's, it's 42. Okay. Yeah, so the VHS probably is not sought after anymore. Well, there's there was a special edition that looked like a TV. Uh, it was called the Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, the complete series mega set. Uh, that is out of print. Um, some of these things, depending on which version you got, the 41, this one going for 500 bucks. But for $112, folks, you can bring Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman home with uh, the wolf guy and the kid who you want to smack every goddamn episode and just and the old people who are just jerk offs and whatever and the worst whorehouse in the entire that, that whole series. You're watching it going, this is this guy runs the worst brothel ever. Like, that kid's a freaking douche constantly. The daughter's like, oh, would someone just put a bullet in her? Let's put her down. Like, you would shoot a you would shoot a horse for less than that. And the whole time, you're just like, Jane Seymour, why are you there? You're pretty. All you this doing means that you've watched Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman more than once. <laughs> Kelly, lo- Kelly loves TV. I told you. She's a TV. She loves Dr. Quinn. She's now watched all of Dallas. She thought about maybe watching Dynasty. I'm like, okay, like if you said to me, Jay, we're going to watch Kolchak the Night Stalker. Okay, that's an easy sell. 20 episodes of Kolchak the Night Stalker, they're all awesome. Darren McGavin, fucking killer. Last night we watched the one that had Jamie Farr in it. It was really funny because he wasn't wearing a dress. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but Klinger is, you know, MASH is what? That's owned by Fox, right? Fox is now owned by Disney. So Klinger is now a Disney, Disney princess. princess. There you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's not, that's not even hard. That's just transitive property right there. That's just simple math. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like if you like TV stuff, so anyway, more importantly, if you've never seen this, go check it out, guys. I can't recommend it high enough. Obviously these guys love it too. It's a favorite that literally when it's on, like if, if I catch it on HBO, cause I still have regular HBO. And I was like, oh, well, oh, you're trying to living dead. We got like 10 minutes left. It was on the other day. We caught the end of it. And Kelly goes, is this the one they blow up everybody? I go, yes. She goes, that ending is so dumb. I said, no, that ending That's is exactly, exactly what the military would do. As, well, she gets old, as she gets older and gets to learn hum- no that humans is, better, she'll is, like the ending you know, more and more. Kelly said this, not Haley. Oh. Oh. Haley said this. Kelly should know better. But I was saying, she goes, this is the one that's so dumb, they blow everyone up. And she goes, I, and Haley goes, yeah. And I go, right, it's exactly the right ending. And she goes, well, they just didn't kill the zombies. I go, Kelly, they can't kill the zombies. They got to nuke the whole thing. That's what they would do. You got to nuke it from space. You only to be sure. But yeah. she doesn't get that difference either. So it's okay. Anyway. So, yeah, 
Go check it out. And for all the people out there, I only have one question for you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, friendly, my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Help!